We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Inspired by the presence of Captain Jack Youngblood, playing in pain with his broken leg, a savage ram defense. They hand it to Steven. Great jump cut. 45 feet. Sees a hole. Burst through it. 20. Nine steps attack. Tackle. Runs left. 25 still on his feet. 46-yard goal by number 39. Running back, number 29, Eric Dickerson. Johnny Hecker. A high school quarterback. He's got a throw. The fake is on it. He's got a first down to Stephen Bailey. Mike Jones made the tackle. And the Rams have won the Super Bowl. Super Bowl. Rams Talk Radio with Derek C. Apollo and Michael Stewart. Welcome to Rams Talk Radio, our pregame Seahawks Rams coming up Thursday night football. I'm here with former Los Angeles Rams defensive back Michael Stewart to give you all the action. Well, I don't know if he can give you all the action. Hopefully, there's one way action come Thursday night. Mike. How are you, man? Hey, man, I am doing very well and uh, excited for a Thursday night game. Man, the Rams have been on TV, at least here in my neck of the woods, pretty much every week. So, uh, man, looking forward to them getting after those uh, Hawks, I guess they call them, Seahawks. So, it should be a great game. Well, it better be. (laughs) It better be after what we saw this last weekend. And, I mean... We don't need to. We don't need to go back into what you know. Everything we laid out in the post game, but what am I looking for? What are you looking for? That's what we do. I think we want to want to talk about. Before we do, when I ask you to head over to Apple Music, leave a five star review. We would really appreciate that. Also, get a word from our sponsors and who pay good money for here for us here at Blue Wire Network to to get their voices heard. Here you go. All right, so we have a great guest tonight. Brett Davern from Believe in Seahawks came over and, and really gave us a conversation that was worth having. I, I found that there were a lot of 
a really cool kind of interweaving stories, some some mirror stories as to how we view each of our teams here. It's a pretty interesting conversation. Let's check it out. <laughs> I, we got to get to some of these games, man. This team is on fire. I want to be at these games, but buying tickets is hard and there's no need to exhaust yourself searching all the all over the internet to find your rams tickets anymore because tick pick t-i-c-k-p-i-c-k all one word is the original no fee ticket website and the only one you'll ever need as your go-to for all nfl tickets because we all hate fees right every website's got these hidden fees hidden fees but tick pick got rid of all those awful service fees that the other websites charge, which lets them guarantee the best prices on all their NFL tickets. And if you don't believe it, because hey, I didn't believe when I first read this, if you could find a better price for the same seats on another ticket site, TickPick will give you 110% of the difference in the purchase price. So they're gonna give you even more money if you, <laughs> you can find a better deal here. I mean, it, it's crazy. They, they are so confident in their service that they're going to give you a 110% of the difference in a purchase price if you could find a better deal. You guys know I'm over here on the East Coast. I'm a displaced Rams fan. Luckily, the Rams are flying across the country in a few weeks to take on the New York football Giants, and I'm planning on getting tickets to that game. And, of course, I'll be using TickPick. So I'm going to be getting the same deal that I'm giving you guys right now. You head over to TickPick.com slash RTR and use our promo code. Again, RTR, same promo code, RTR, just the three letters, all caps. You're going to save $10 on your first pair of Rams tickets using TickPick.com. Every penny counts, guys. We all know the Rams, they're never losing again. So you're going to want to attend every football game you can go to, and you're going to want to avoid all those hidden fees and get the best price you can using TickPick. Again, T-I-C-K-P-I-C-K. Let me know how you feel about Stafford, man. All right, folks, I'm here with Brett Davern, who is the host or one of the hosts of the Believe in, po- Believe in Seahawks podcast and the Brett Davern Show. Man, alive. It's rivalry week and it's a short week. Lots of pain and suffering on the Rams side. The Seahawks got a nice big win in San Francisco. Brett, how you doing? I'm doing good, man. I don't know if it was a nice big win. It was kind of a meh win for the Seahawks. So we'll see how things go against uh, the hated Los Angeles Rams this weekend. The hated Los Angeles Rams. Well, we hated their performance last weekend. If you just you know try and play all the words. Um, I bet. But you guys are three and one. We're two and two, and it's not a very pretty two and two, man. This season for the Seahawks and for the Seahawks fans so far is. Not been fun, but I mean, we're looking to get right, you know, Thursday night, playing you guys on Thursday night feels like tradition at this point. We're going to be wearing the action green, the all fluorescent green. I know you guys love that. Oh, well, we, we love, but this will actually kind of love going to Seattle these days. We play you guys tough up there the last few years. It used to be we go up to Seattle and we get destroyed. And now under the McVeigh era, we actually play you guys pretty tough. The only yeah. thing that really kind of had to concern, well, A, we're used to going up there late in the year. I'm not, the earlier thing. I'm not so sure about, but right. I mean, the Rams got so exposed this last weekend, and we, and we caused a, a bit of you know issues within our own fan base. You know, the, the deniers, the ones who didn't see these before, and those of us who did see the problems. But then I'm looking across the table here at the Seahawks, and you mentioned it. They're two and two. It's kind of like a, kind of an ugly two and two. And I'm wondering what's going on. Like, what is the issue? Because I look at the Seahawks' offensive roster, and I see two things. A, 
You got skill, position, talent everywhere you look. But on the yeah. flip side, I see an offensive line they've really struggled to, to fix in the last, I don't know, decade. So what, what's going on there, especially offensively? Okay, well, I, and this is where Lofa Tatupu and I, my co-host, all-pro linebacker Lofa Tatupu and I, we kind of differ on this a little bit because uh, he'd have to speak for himself on uh, answering that question for himself. For me, and I know this might be blasphemous, but I, I host a, a show about the Seahawks and I'm a Seahawks super fan, but I refuse to be an absolute homer. So the thing is, is that Russell Wilson sometimes is not the Russell Wilson that we need him to be. And I just have to be flat out honest for, about that. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know why, but sometimes a Russell Wilson shows up in games that doesn't win us football games. And it's a Russell Wilson who pats the ball and doesn't get rid of it quick enough. He takes a lot of hits. Uh, knock on wood, he's never missed a start or anything because of it, but he's getting older. Um, he, he, I don't know. Pete Carroll called him out earlier in the year for not hitting a check down. I don't remember the last time Pete Carroll called out Russell Wilson for something, you know? I mean, I think sometimes with the offense, it's, the blame lands with number three, I think. And when he's right, nobody can beat us. And when he's not, you see what happens. So hold on. I'm going to I'm gonna do the hot take check here, okay? Okay. All right. And tell me if I'm completely off. But it almost sounds like you're saying that Russell Wilson's kind of living a little bit on his reputation instead of what's actually going on the field right now. Look, has he thrown any picks this year? No. Does he have an amazing passer rating so far through four games? Yes. But what, what's your record? Two and two. And look, what, Bill Parcells back in the day, you are what your record says you are, right? And Russell Wilson is the starting quarterback of this team. And I'm not just going to sit here and, 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 you know, just praise him the way that a lot of Seahawks fans do for anything that he does. I think that Sometimes the struggles of the team, I mean, they land with a quarterback. Look at you guys. You ship Jared Goff out of town, bring in Matt Stafford because you thought that that might have been the problem. Jared Goff's the number one overall pick. You know, like sometimes the 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 blame lands, I don't know, on the head of the team. And it, it, even if he is the face of the franchise. And you know what? If he is, and if he's paid as much as he is, then he's going to be fine in the face of adversity, whether I, you know, call him out or not. And I think Russell himself would agree that he's not playing up to his Russell Wilson potential in terms of wins and losses for the team. He is individually, statistically individually, but come on, it's not translating to wins and losses. And, he, you know, he, I think he would own that too. So I don't, I don't feel like it's unfair to, so, to call him out a little bit. So, well, I mean, I'm, I'm thinking back to the Russell Wilson of the years. The Russell Wilson that I have seen in a lot of ways has carried the team in the past. Absolutely. Especially behind an offensive line, which I'm going to tell you, in my view, watching all these Rams games in the past and all these national televised Seahawks games in the past, that offensive line's been hot trash for much of the last decade. So <laughs> you get no, you get no disagreement here, Derek. But I've also seen Russell Wilson take a ton of hits. I've mm-hmm. seen some of what you're saying hold on the ball, but I think back. To, I mean, I call it David Carr syndrome. Back when David Carr with the Texans and how he got basically annihilated behind their offensive line after a while. You come to realize, you know, the quarterback you were has taken so many hits that you're not making the same calls you usually would have made. And I actually believe that ruined David Carr's career. So I'm looking at Russell Wilson wondering, given the amount of hits he's taken, given the frustration he's expressed in the offseason, has it gotten in here? Is it affecting 
his play? Is it affecting the, the decisions he's making, or is it too easy to make excuses? Well, look, I, I'm just going to be honest about it. You watch the first half of this last game against the Niners, and it is as bad as I've ever seen Russell Wilson look in his entire NFL career. Okay, no exaggeration. I mean, he looked tentative. He looked shaky. He looked nervous. They didn't get a first down until there was four minutes left in the second quarter. I mean, <laughs> you know, <laughs> you're the you're the the driver of the ship here. You know, you gotta you gotta shoulder some of that blame. And and look, look, he got it together in the second half. He scrambled for a touchdown. Dove for the pylon. Was that gr- gritty Russell Wilson that we need him to be? And from there on. He he was the player that we know he can be and the player that I love so much and that I want him to be all the time. And so I don't think it's like gone forever or anything, but for some reason, as you mentioned it, the talent that he has around him, this offense should be much better. And I don't know if it's Russell doesn't trust all the talent around him so much. I have no idea what it is. Because with DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett, Chris Carson, new contract for him, Gerald Everett coming in from you guys, right? You guys know what he can do at tight end. Uh, we got Colby Parkinson, this like what second year tight end that's like eight feet tall from Stanford, but he can never play. Uh, I, I don't know. I just think he has the tools around him, like you said. And for some reason, it's, it, it just it, it's hit or miss with this Seahawks offense right now. And hopefully we can pull it together on Thursday. Well, how much of this is the new system put in by Shane Waldron? Our former guy comes up to you guys. Um, you know, I'm curious as to what your thoughts are with him. Are you even seeing enough? Is a play call even that different from what you've seen in the past, for that matter? I don't even know what the play calling is, if I'm going to be perfectly honest. I don't know what our team's identity is. Yes, we beat the 49ers, but Lofa and I both said on our show, it was a meh kind of win. It was one of those, like, you know, it's 28 to 21. The, the, score, the game wasn't as close as the score indicates, but at the end of the day, like, I mean, we gave up almost 500 yards of offense to... Jimmy Garoppolo and Trey Lance, uh, they were running the ball all over the place on us. It, they just kind of stopped running, which is why uh, we were able to kind of get back in the or not even get back in the game, but, you know, really take a hold of the game. It, it just it was like just a meh game. And, and you bring up Shane Waldron. It's like, I don't know what this guy's about, really. Is he about throwing it 50 times a game? Is he about committing to the run? Every Seahawks fan wishes he would commit to the run. But, I mean, that's why I fell apart with Gurley and you guys maybe a little bit, right? I mean, he comes from you guys. Like, you guys stopped running the ball at the end of the Goff era a little bit, right? Is that – is he not committed to the run like we want him to be? You tell me. Well, I mean, I would tell you that I don't know. And the reason why I don't know is because that offense has always been Sean McFay's offense. You never knew what Sean, who Sean Waldron was or Shane Waldron. You never knew who Waldron was. You never knew what he was thinking. You know, our running back situation with the Rams is more of the case of Gurley's knee falling apart than anything else. And they went and got Cam Akers. You run the ball, one run the ball pretty well. But the one thing that we notice, and I guess this can can move into the, the the Seahawks defense for the Rams. One thing we really notice about the change, like you mentioned, Jared Goff, for the last two three years, we've heard talk that Sean McVay doesn't adjust. He doesn't adjust. He can't figure things out. And no, what we found out, it was never Sean McVay. You go back and watch the film, and Sean McVay would would run different plays. He would adjust to what defenses are doing. But what about the execution at the line? The problem we had with, with Jared Goff was even at the fact that he's five, six years in the league, he wasn't making progressions at the line. He wasn't reading defenses the way they need him to read. And then guess what happens? Bam. Mm-hmm. So you get Matt Stafford in, and all of a sudden, this offense is just fine. And I know people are going to say, well, they struggle a bit against the Cardinals. 
they just had an off day. Like, and we even saw, we, we took some heat because, I mean, pretty much anybody with a functional brain on the Rams side knows that Jared Goff was botching things at this point. But yet, they're still the Goff defenders. And they're like, why aren't you hammering Stafford? Well, Stafford's one game. And he still was free solid in that game. Wasn't perfect. That's the difference. So I look at a guy like Waldron, bring it back to them, and I'm like, I don't know what he was because we never saw Maine differently. But I also know that I'm not real concerned about the offense against the Seahawks right now, especially the Seahawks defense having their own issues. Yeah. I, well, I'm I, not. I, I just, before you move on real quick, because, I mean, I think, like, look, you want to talk about control of the offense at that line. During the first game, and maybe even in the second game, during the telecast for the Seahawks, the commentators are talking about how in the meetings, in the, in the production meetings that they have with players and coaches, you know how they do before they broadcast the games, they were talking about how Russell and Shane Waldron and sort of the brass of the Seahawks were saying that Russell has the entire offensive playbook at his disposal when he's at the line of scrimmage, basically, mm-hmm. that he can check into anything he wants. Well, that was great to hear the commentators say game one when we were playing the Colts and we were, you know, mopping the floor with them. But now we see all these offensive struggles and it's like, OK, well, where does the blame lie? Does it lay with Waldron calling the player? Does it lie with apparently Russell Wilson has the whole playbook at his disposal at the line of scrimmage? Is he checking into the wrong plays? I mean, I don't know, man. Like, I, I, I really hope they can find their rhythm and find their stride. And I just want them to, like I said, find an identity. Are we about, and, I, and, and every Seahawk fan wants it. Line up, run the ball like you did with Marshawn Lynch, play defense, which is where I know you want to go next, and then have Russell just hit that quick passing game, you know, play action, deep throws over the top, and be the Seahawks that we all know they can be from you know, three or four years ago. Well, I mean, but let's be real here. You shouldn't be giving up nearly 500 yards to the San Francisco offense. They're, they don't, they're not that versatile. You have Kittle and Garoppolo with a little bit of Lance. Yeah. They don't have the weapons the Rams have. They don't have the weapons the Seahawks have. So I guess my question relating to the Seahawks defense is what, the ha- what happened there? What's going on with that defense? Man, I look, they might have found something in the San Francisco game, though. They switched back to like a classic 4-3 uh, or 3-4. Lofa was talking about it on our show that we kind of went to this like stick defense and it's just not working. And they finally kind of switched some things around in the, in the Niners game and they were able to get the Niners off the field on third down. I think the Niners only com- converted two of their tries on third down, which is, was huge for us because we've been terrible on third down. And so a lot of people and fans up here in Seattle were trying to figure out, is, is it scheme or is it personnel? So during the Niners game, we went to a lot of different personnel on defense. We uh, mm-hmm. Sidney Jones, who just came over from the Philadelphia Eagles at cornerback, he played a lot finally uh, against the Niners, taking over for Trey Flowers. Uh, Ryan Neal came in and played some safety for us and stuff and has been like just a real uh, energy um, what spark plug, sort of, if you will, on the defense. I think he had like, Four tackles, but a big pass breakup on third down and some third down tackles that prevented first down. So they, they're they trying to switch scheme and personnel. So really, it's like, to answer your question, I mean, I don't know. <laughs> your guess is as good as mine. But Pete Carroll and Ken Norton Jr., they're throwing everything they can at trying to fix this defense. And it has to get fixed in a hurry because they're giving up far too many yards. I mean, we, we give up. I don't know, about a million yards to Kirk Cousins and the Vikings, and then the very next week, the Cleveland Browns, I mean, almost shut them out, right? Or at least put the clamps mm-hmm. down on them. And so it's not the Legion of Boom with the Seahawks, that's for sure. I, I think this thing with the Rams is going to be a high-scoring game. I, I have a feeling. 
But I, I, I'm going to, I'll be honest, I'll tell you flat out, if it's high scoring, Rams are going to win. Yeah. I mean, to, I mean, for me, the Seahawks and what, and tell me if you think I'm wrong, but I can tell you based on all the trends I've seen in every Rams game right now, the reason why they are having their struggles is the defense is inconsistent, but it gives up way too many long drives. It keeps the Rams offense off the field, which they don't get in sync. So the Seahawks key is playing old school Seahawks football. Get the get possession. Seven, eight minutes. Drain the clock. Shorten the game. A 21-14, a 26-20 game even. You start getting in the 30-30s, the Rams are going to win this thing. Well, that, that's what's been so weird about, about the Seahawks offense so far this year. It's like they want to play like home run offense. It's weird. Like uh, They're like a baseball player getting up there swinging for the fences every time rather than just hitting some singles. I mean, it's like there's been some long, deep, beautiful passes from Russell Wilson, and it's awesome when it happens. But to your point, it takes, what, 12 seconds off the clock, and then we're sending the defense right back out there. And our defense is fatigued, man. I'll just be honest with you. Like Bobby Wagner... Uh, uh, Jamal Adams, you know, Carlos Dunlap, like we have some players, but they're just out there for too much, too much mm-hmm. of the game. We we really need to control the clock. You're right. We The Seahawks have to keep the scoring down and grind this thing out. I mean, if they flip it, like the Rams are really good at going first down to first down. They'll go 10, 12 yards, 10, 12 yards. All of a sudden they're going 12, 10, 12 yards and milking clock on the way down. All of a sudden they're milking the clock. You don't even realize it. five, six, seven minute drive. And to me, that's the exact opposite of what you would think they would want to do. But no, they, they're a quick strike or they can mix it. To me, Seattle really needs to control. This is a game Seattle has to control. If the Bears controlled the clock for much of the game and the score doesn't show it, but they gave the Rams all kinds of problems. The Colts wow. controlled it for much of the game and they almost beat the Rams a week after the Seahawks hammered them. And we even saw it in the Bucks game. The Bucks really did a great job at times of really milking the clock. They just didn't do it consistently. Cardinals, oh, they did it majestically. They just <laughs> milked the clock in the Rams offense, never got in sync. And that bend but not break defense broke. So the key, I mean, the game plan is so simple for the Seahawks that they can fall through with it. But everything you're telling me, everything I'm seeing on film tells me, they're not going to do it. That's not who they are no. right now. No, it's all about the execution. You're you're 100% right. I mean, I feel like they know what they have to do, but can they go out there and do it? I mean, I just told you, Russell Wilson and the Seahawks offense did not get a first down. Does everybody hear me? They did not get a first <laughs> down until four minutes left before halftime. I mean, that's not staying on the field. I mean, they had like, I don't even know how many consecutive three and outs. It's not going to cut it. You know, especially in a game against the Rams where... We all know Stafford, you know, I hate playing Cooper, Cooper Cup. You guys, you guys are going to have some drives. You're going to be going up and down the field. Now, can we do the classic Seahawks, another classic Seahawks thing, which is like bend but don't break? You know, we, Ken Norton Jr.'s defenses have been known for giving up yards in the past, but are we going to give up the points? And uh, that's, that's going to be something to watch for as well. But my question for you is going to be in terms of what, this roster is built to do. What are you really expecting on Thursday? Because what I'm expecting is a team embarrassed on Sunday to come in there and try and show up, try and yeah. show out. I'm expecting a Rams team that's a lot sharper on short notice. And on the flip side, if they bomb out, 
up there in Seattle, we're going to know a whole lot more about the Rams than I think we want to know. It's it's really, in my view, even though it's only week, what, five? It's a critical yeah. game for the Rams, just based on what they just did. This schedule right now is crazy, right? Like, uh, the NFL and football gods and this schedule that they've given us right now with, like, all these divisional games right up front. Um, the, uh, the NFC West playing each other two weeks in a row is really fun. And a lot's going to be decided in the division. I mean, this is a huge game. You guys are right there at 3-1. and one. We're right below you at 2-2. Two and two. So, obviously, if the Seahawks get this win, you know what that means. And if you guys get the win, then, you know, you obviously are another game clear of us. So, it's, it's a big one, man. It's a really big one. And I think it's, it's, it's for who controls the division. You're absolutely right, you know? I think if you're asking me how I see this thing going, I think I think that if it, okay, I'll give you two answers. <laughs> My head thinks that Aaron Donald is going to tee off on Russell Wilson and have like three sacks in the first two Seahawks drives. And we're just going to be head in our hands not knowing what to do. And then, you know, Russell and the offense usually can get it figured out. But I think early, and I think it's going to be, that's going to be the real test. What happens early in this game? Is the Rams' defensive line going to dominate the offensive line of the Seahawks like they've done in years past? And if that just happens straight away, I don't know if we're going to be able to make adjustments. Um, we've, we got off to a really slow start last week. We've been getting off to fast starts. So that was something new. I, I don't know. I, I think that this one's going to be closer than a lot of people think. Um, and I think, you know, the Seahawks, we have a little home field advantage. But I don't know. I think, you know, this one's in like the mid-20s for me. And I think it could be settled by a field goal or whoever has the ball last, like a classic Ram-Seahawk matchup. I, mean, I think, well, I think it'd be classic. I just, and I would like to say, based off history and what the Rams have done against Seattle, more often than not in the McVay era, which, by the way, is a total flip than prior to that. I mean, it used to be just a given L, L, oh gosh, L. <laughs> and, and now it's it's really swung a lot towards the Rams. But, yeah. you know, this is the first time I've seen skill position talent the Seahawks have. And it's only a matter of time before they figure it out. Will yeah. they figure it out come Thursday? Uh, and I look at the, the real issue with the Rams defensively right now is they're, they get pressure. But it's been so inconsistent. They'll flash and give you two, three sacks in the matter of a series, and then you won't see pressure the rest of the game. You know, it, so it really depends on what they do. I think it all, I mean, even the small things, like how is the officiating this game? Is it loose or is it tough? Because, I mean, I can tell you Aaron Donald's held 95% of the time. Gets sure, one call every, I think he got one holding call last year, period, which just was ridiculous. Yeah. Um. You know, the little things like that in a rivalry game. But to me, on the from the Rams' perspective, can this defense stop you for at least half of those four quarters? Yeah, totally. And yeah, I don't I know. Agree. I don't know. Well, what about, and how about the game within the game? DK Metcalf versus Jalen Ramsey. That's always a juicy little meatball. Well, yeah, the bigger matchup is going to be Tyler Lockett versus David Long. Because mm-hmm. that's what the Rats McVeigh was saying today. That's where they think that um, that where Long's going to be. Long struggled quite a bit last game out, and Darius Williams is not living up to his form for last year, and that's a big deal. We had Troy Hill in the past back there to be yeah. at number two, and Darius Williams came there and took the job, and now he's not playing up to it. So I'm not worried as much about DK Metcalf because Ramsey will limit him. 
I worry about Tyler Lockett, who's burned us in the past. Mm-hmm. I mean, and I mean burn. I'm talking about lighting fires and letting it just go right to the ground. Well, we love watching Tyler Lockett play, especially in primetime games, especially wearing the action green that I know makes the rest of the NFL mad. And uh, hopefully he's doing Tyler Lockett things. He was slowed down a little bit. I mean, he's he's got a little injury or something he's kind of dealing with. So we'll see. I Cooper Cup is the one. I It just... Not only does it make me mad because of how good he plays for you guys, especially against us, but it makes me mad because he was right there in our state. And I, the fact that the Seahawks missed out on a guy like Cooper Cup when he's right under their noses will just always irk me forever. Well, I mean, let's be honest. The Seahawks haven't exactly been drafted in the world's, be- the world's bestest of late. I just wanted to say bestest. They're, I mean, it, I, their strategy for the draft has blown me away as much as I'm guessing the Rams draft strategy has blown you guys away in the last few years. Yeah, no, you're totally right. I mean, every all look, I, guys, I love the Seahawks. I'm a Seahawks super fan. I'm not just like a Seahawks downer or anything over here, but we all have to be honest. Like the praise that Pete Carroll and John Schneider get for their sort of scouting and bringing in, you know, the, the Legion of Boom and the drafting that they did when the Seahawks were making their Super Bowl runs, obviously we can see that and it was impressive and all of the above. But lately, dude, you're absolutely right. I mean, LJ Collier, he's on the bus train. Uh, um, you know, Jordan Brooks, middle linebacker, but like obviously we have Bobby Wagner and we get rid of KJ Wright and our defense, you know, not great. We're getting blown up by a screenplay. I mean, KJ Wright made a career out of sniffing out screenplays. Well, he's gone. We got Jordan Brooks, but I don't know, kind of a liability so far, you know, like they, you got guys like Richard Sherman who were out there. Seahawks fans wanted them to go after him. They didn't even give him a phone call, you know? So who's making these decisions also behind the scenes? And like, is it John? Is it Pete? Is he a John guy or a Pete guy? It's a lot of stuff Seahawks fans are talking about up here. And, you know, this season's been Yeah, I mean, I'm kind of veering off a little bit because I'm I'm seeing – you know, some of the things that I, I've mentioned on our podcast before, and by the way, I'm I'm not hammering the Seahawks when I'm saying this. We see you guys a lot. You see us a lot, and yeah. I'm so I'm not I'm not in any way trying to be a jerk about it. But from my point of view, given what the talent that we've seen on hand in, in Seattle since yeah. their Super Bowl years, even though they make the playoffs almost every year, it seems like at least from where I'm sitting, like they've actually almost become a perennial disappointment. Like they should be doing more. And that's saying a lot. Like once you win a Super Bowl and you go back again, you're setting the bar high. I get it. But I mean, it's not like the NFC has been that tough over the last decade. Yeah. I I, just don't understand. You wouldn't get much argument from me, honestly. I think, I think that if you talk to true blue, real Seahawk fans who aren't just there uh, to take pictures on Instagram on Sundays. If you talk to real Seahawks fans, they will whisper to you that this team has had problems for a number of years now and that this team has been a disappointment and that just going to the playoffs is not good enough anymore. There's a real frustration that's set in, and this season is huge. I think that Russell Wilson knows it. I think Pete Carroll knows it. I think maybe that's why they're playing a little tight. I mean, I, Russell Wilson, look, he he and the Seahawks need to have a good year to keep him happy and with the team look what happened this last offseason you know another first round exit in the playoffs is not going to get it done and it's going to hurt to see him in a i don't know uh carolina panthers jersey denver broncos jersey i have no idea but but that day is coming if they can't get it together and to your point 
they have the talent there. So something's up. And a lot of Seahawks fans right now are really trying to figure out what that is. And I think, you know, real fans aren't kind of afraid to whisper what they really think it is, you know? I mean, um, I'll ask so. you for a hot take, man. Is this Russell Wilson's last year there? Man, I don't want to say yes because I don't want it to be. You know, I want Russell Wilson to be a, the Tom Brady of the West Coast and just be with a team for 20 years. I mean, he just celebrated his 100th win. He's the fastest to 100 wins out of any quarterback who's ever played. Um, so the future is bright for him. I mean, he's our entire team. If Russell Wilson goes away, what do we have? You know, but at the same time, it's like every offseason is just drama. You know, so I don't want to say yes, but if they have another first round exit and he get takes a lot of sacks again and stuff like that, I it could be the beginning of the end for sure. And uh, I don't know what we do after that. Franchise quarterbacks aren't, you know, it's not like you can just go to Target and pick one up. I mean, a couple destinations that come to mind, at least for me, Washington, Pittsburgh. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The Big Ben's gone. This is it. This is his. I mean, so... Those are a couple of spots. You know, Pittsburgh would be very tempting if I were him. Uh, I mean, I just I think, look, I think that Russell Wilson, in the mind of a lot of Seahawks fans, gets a pass because obviously he won us a Super Bowl. Uh-huh. But let's be yeah. honest, we lost the second one, <laughs> and because of a certain somebody's mistake, right? It's like some Seahawks fans live in some sort of time warp where it's still Russell Wilson's third year in the league. It's uh-huh. not. It's his ninth or tenth year, right? I mean, it's been a long time since those Super Bowls. And I think that, like I said, there's this like rock and a hard place sort of building. You can feel it. And I think real fans are honest about it. And this year is a huge year. And I think that's why a lot of Seahawks fans are just living and dying with every game because they know it and they can feel it. You know, and for one, if you just want my opinion, though, I want him here for a long time. And I hope he wants to be here for a long time. Not just for what he does for the team, but for the community as well. So I in no way like don't want Russell Wilson or think that he's done or washed up or the windows closed or anything like that. It's just that we kind of need to to like put up or shut up at this point, you know? Because we, the Seahawks and the Seahawks fans, we love to talk a big game, but guys, it's been a long time, uh, and it's time to get back to it, especially with this team that we got. I mean, there's a lot of talent there, and. You know, I mean, I can, on our end, too, you know, 2017, McVay came in. We've been winning every year. But you could easily argue after watching Tampa Bay do it pretty much in a year, hey, where have the Rams been? Why haven't they finished the job? This is not a, a hey, pick on the, the, the Seahawks guy kind of interview. It's more along the lines. I see, I see some mirrors there, actually. You know, like, one, we should have done more by now. I'm also thinking the Seahawks should have as well. And I know you're talking about Russell Wilson, and you're like, you know, saying, what about this? And I'm sitting there, how many times in years past, though, when they were against the wall and he's bailed them out with, like, no running back? Totally. Totally. Well, that's what I mean. I think that's why also he does get this. And it's not like he gets a pass. I don't know what the the proper way to say this is. I Mm -hmm. just think that, like, people are willing to overlook a lot of things because we know how much he's been a one-man show on this team in a lot of years and stuff like that um but these chickens have all been sort of put in this row for a long time and they're coming home to roost you know i mean big contracts to to individual players you know when when we were winning the super bowl russell wilson was making the minimum right Mm -hmm. and they were bringing in 
you know, free agents and veterans to help out. Sure. And, and they were able to spend money in, in places uh, that weren't just, you know, tied up in two positions like Jamal, Jamal Adams, the largest safety contract in the NFL right now. That's one player. You, know, you could get an entire secondary for what he's being paid, you know. And um, so I, I don't know. It's just there's the team is structured different than it ever has been before also. And uh, so. You know, I, I look. Everyone, if it is Russell Wilson's last year, I mean, nobody's going to look back on it and think that any of his time was a waste in any way or anything like that. It, it, he'll never buy a dinner again in Seattle. It's just that we feel like, and I feel like true Seahawks fans feel like they could have done more with this time that we've had with him. If this is in fact his last year, it's just disappointing. You know, it would be. Uh, so I mean, I mean, I get, I, I totally get you. That. You're going to make me cry, Derek. I don't want to <laughs> think about that. It's going to fall apart. I don't want to think about that at all, man. Have you seen these college quarterbacks? Who would we get? No way. Oh, not this year. This is a rough year for quarterbacks. So, Brett, yeah, no. do you want to lobby a? Uh, do you want to lob out their prediction for this, or just say, uh, uh... <sighs> I? No, he. This is not Russell Wilson's final year with the Seahawks. Okay, I'm talking about the game prediction. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I will give you a prediction. I, I said this prediction on our show. Um, and also, by the way, uh, our show does a contest, if you'll allow me, Derek. Uh, mm -hmm. We do this thing on our Instagram where if, if listeners to our show, or even if you listen to any show who are a fan of any team, who cares? Uh, go on our Instagram. It's at Believe in Seahawks on game days. And if you correctly predict the outcome of the Seahawks game, you, you have to nail it. Uh, we'll buy you a Seahawks jersey. Uh, on us it's an authentic jersey from the team store whatever so jump on our instagram there's a like a we do like a game day post where we ask for the prediction you'll see it and people have been having fun with it lately we almost we almost had to give away three last week it was very close the final score was 28 21 seahawks and we had like three guesses at 27 20 so it was, it was i mean i have to give you a little bit of a hard time here i mean like uh, i why would Rams? Why would Rams heel want Seahawks jerseys? Hey, I don't. Unless know. we can desecrate them. Hey, you know, look, maybe you just collect jerseys. Maybe you want an uh, action green jersey so you can throw darts at it. I don't know. It's not uh, bad. But if, yeah, you no. wanna, if you want a chance, go to our Instagram and check it out. I predicted this week um, because I am not. Uh, I'm just a fan. I'm not a former player, right? I'm not even a football expert. I'm just a guy with a microphone and an opinion. So my picks uh, and my numbers are always a bit of a joke on our show. Um, I pick the Seahawks to win because I'm picking with my heart. And I think that uh, it's going to be a high-scoring game. Or at least I think the Rams are going to score a lot of points. So I think the Rams are going to score 42. Mm -hmm. And because I think the Seahawks are going to win, I think the Seahawks are going to score 42.25, oh, giving us Lord. the win. Okay, so there you go. Hey, just remember win. what I said, though. If this is a shootout like that, the Rams are going to win. I know, but I'm thinking with my heart here, okay? <laughs> I, Rams fans, hear me now. I think you guys are going to score points, okay? So I just hope that we're able to pull it out. All right, folks, you can find Brett at B-D-A-V-V -V on Twitter. Brett Davern, he's got a show, the Brett Davern Show, and, of course, Believe in Seahawks. He is believing, I think, Give him a follow, and if you want to try and earn yourself a Seahawks jersey to burn, then go ahead yeah. and follow him on yeah, Instagram as well. Out. That's on the show's Instagram, at Believe in Seahawks, B-L-E-A-V in Seahawks. There you go. All right, Brett, thanks so much. We really appreciate your time, and maybe we'll talk again later on this year for 
part two. Hell yeah. Thanks, Derek. I appreciate it, man. All right, thanks. Have a great one. All right. So there you go. Mike, I'm going to go to you here. I mean, you, you and I, we we vented <laughs> quite a bit after the, the Rams lost the Cardinals at home at SoFi where they couldn't stop the Cardinals at all. Do I need to keep going? No, I don't think so. Stop me here, please. <laughs> please, stop me. Let's go, let's go. Let's okay. get this runaway train. Yeah, <laughs> but as you're heading in on the short week, you know, from the player's mindset and from a coach's mindset, because we know that you've been coaching as well, um, how are you getting ready for a game like this after what we saw what happened? Well, you're trying to make it as normal as possible. Basically, what happens is you forget the other game quicker. So typically on a Monday, you know, you're coming in, you're just working out, and you go over last week's game. Short week like this, uh, they grind after the, the Sunday night game pretty much all night and day to now have the game plan ready on Monday instead of on Wednesday. So they'll have it ready on uh, Monday. Tuesday is still an off day. And then you come back, practice Wednesday, and then go play a game on Thursday. So uh, it's a short week. But, you know, the, the, the advantage they both have that they're in conference. So they're going to know a little bit now for uh, Raheem. Uh, he may, but I'm sure he's had to scout them before so it's not like they don't know that the teams that they're pl- both playing both both of the teams uh it's just maybe for some of the the players but uh coach morris man it looks like he's not too pleased with a certain corner on our team at oh all. oh 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 really do tell oh, he, oh he's going in on david long jr and just like oh yeah he he probably had his worst performance of this season and you know, we got uh, Rochelle, Robert Rochelle, creeping up behind him. And, you know, I think he has some mental toughness. But, you know, basically saying, no, this dude got beat for like uh, five catches, 89 yards against uh, f- uh, five targets, four of which were caught by A.J. Green. So uh, he was pretty much in this particular article being pretty much brutally honest. And again, it's the NFL. These guys aren't kids and babies. But it sounded like he had some chances that uh, Coach Morris felt like he could have made plays on balls and didn't make them. So uh, so it'll be interesting to see what happens on tomorrow, uh, who's going to actually be in there, or they're going to you know, be playing different packages, their nickel package a little more, uh, to try to get these other guys or Robert Rochelle on the field. So, man, you that's know, I rough. Was- and you mentioned that, and just tonight, I was I was on um, I was a guest on Sports Map Radio Network, their show, um, and one of the questions they really asked me was, you know, talking about Raheem Morris and and how were how how do you evaluate him? And I'm just sitting there thinking, well, I'm not sure you can. Like, how do you evaluate Raheem Morris after four games when? Let's look at the changes. You had seven coaches. You had your front office change. You lost John Johnson. You lost Troy Hill. 
You just lost one of your linebackers who was – are we forgetting Justin Hollins who was pretty solid in his first three games before getting hurt? There are, there are losses back there that will affect his defense. And I'm not so sure that, you know, it's we should be judging this guy quite yet. I, I'm just pointing that out. This, do they deserve criticism for what they've what they what we've seen the first four games? I think so. I mean, I t- I, I thought they're they're playing too much zone. You defended it a little bit, but I think even you thought they're playing a little bit too much zone. Um, but when you lose John Johnson, he was the guy who quarterbacked that defense last year. Are we forgetting that? Troy yeah, Hill had manned up and become a pretty stinking solid corner. Him and, and Darius, solid. him and Darius Williams last year. I mean, they, these guys were really competing for that, for that number two. Now he's gone. David Long didn't see many snaps at all last year, and now you're putting him up against teams number twos. <laughs> yeah, and some ones. Yeah, yeah so you know, and they, you know, they're saying, and and I hate when they use the oh, well, he was you know undrafted or low draft. Okay, man, by the time you get in the NFL, it it doesn't matter what round you are at the end of the day if you're willing to work, learn, mm. and go out there and you know honor your craft and get it better. Now, our guy. Hey, wait, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Says the guy, by the way, who was drafted in the eighth round and was a starter by what year two? So I'll point that yeah. out. Yeah, my but my point is, if you get your opportunity, take advantage of it. Mm-hmm. You know, and so I hope that you know, Mister Long doesn't take it personal. He takes it more of a challenge. But you know, some of the things in the article are just almost like you're like, "Hey, man, you're the reason why we lost." That's kind of rough, right there. But again, you're a big boy and. You just never know the one thing, you know, I was telling some students today, you're going to go on jobs. You're going to be in classes with people. You may have to do some type of group assignment, but your personality just doesn't mesh and mix with someone on your team. But if you're working, you have to figure out how to get what you need to get accomplished, maybe working with someone's personality that doesn't really fit yours. So that's the same in coaching. There's going to be guys that gravitate towards each other just because of personalities. And then there's other guys that doesn't. Now, if Coach Morris is telling this young man, hey, man, these are some things you need to work on, and if, and he feels like the guy's blowing him off, then he's going to kind of go hard on him. So that's what it kind of seems like. Maybe he's talked to a guy, pulling, they sat in some extra meetings, and he's going, well, this guy's not listening. And again, he may be feeling a little pressure himself because everybody is competitive down to the strength coach. So I'm sure he's like, hey, man, I know what this defense can do, but you seem to be weak link. Now they're going to keep coming after you. Uh, but to your point, man, yeah, I mean, it's way too early. Now, after we get to the end of the season, yeah, you can really evaluate. You've got 16, 17, hopefully 20-some games with playoffs. But right now, you're still talking about we're coming out of a COVID offseason. It wasn't like it was wide open, just come in here and we can get together. No, it was it was tiered. Uh, I'm not sure when Coach Morris actually got there. 
was he early off season or mid off season? It was fairly early, but you know, it's like it's not like these guys are hanging out all off season, right? So you have all that, and you hit on all the points with all the other changes. It's going to take time to build that rebuild some chemistry across the board when you have new players and a new system. It works for the young guys because they weren't there with the old system. So uh, the old guys, they're like, okay, I got to make some adjustment. This is the same thing. He calls it something else. So in uh, professionals, that's what they do. They adjust because you just never know when that change at coach uh, at a coaching position or DC or you maybe yourself end up on another team. Well, yeah, and I and I'm going to keep going back to this when people are hitting on the defense, and I mean I. Let's be honest, you and I both, especially me, I really hit that defense hard. And it deserved it, okay? It deserved it. You're professionals. It doesn't matter if, it doesn't matter if you have a new coordinator, new coaches, but we're also going to be realistic. There's going to be changes. It's, there, it's going to take time to gel. And then you get a couple of injuries here and there. You cannot underestimate the loss of John Johnson. Losing John Johnson and Troy Hill out of that secondary matters. And you're Absolutely. expecting two young guys to step in. Both of them, by the way, played above their heads last year for what they were expected to do. And I like them both. I think they'll be solid, good NFL starters, but it takes time. It does. Tyler, it does. Like, you, got, you got Burgess and you got Fuller as your safeties back, back there. Rap, who's been on and off. These guys have to adjust to this defense. They got adjusted more as much as Morris has adjusted them. And John Johnson, man, it just seems like any time you needed a game changer in that secondary one, if it wasn't Ramsey, it was Johnson. Well, that's what a veteran does, right? And a good veteran, he's going to get in, and some guys become more veteran early on, some a little bit later on. Uh, But overall, yeah, you can't expect a guy to go from zero to a 100. And, you know, we always talk about in the coaching world, uh, developing guys, because you want to be able to develop those number twos and or threes that if you have to go to them in the crunch, you don't have this huge drop off that you're like, oh, man, now I can't come run this defense or call this play. Man, my confidence. Oh, man, they look like they're throwing at him. No, you want them to be able to step in and at least hold their own, you know, but. When you have certain things and only certain things and time that you can practice and things like that. And, you know, I think people don't understand when you're playing highly skilled people on the other side. Yeah, it's not like, oh, in a short week, we got Monday. Oh, the guy said they're off on Tuesday. Yeah. And then they got to practice on Wednesday and then go play a game. Well, shoot, they didn't get the normal study time or practice time at all this week. So the Thursday night games for us are fun, but for guys who have played on Sunday is a very short week, you know, cause you're hoping, you know, using that Thursday and, you know, healing up a little bit more. And then you have Friday and you have Saturday, then you go play Sunday. That's three extra days. So for next week, it'll be very cool. You know, they'll get some extra days off in there and, you know, a longer time to look at your game plan for the next team. But for this week, short week, yeah. So it'll be interesting to see who's more on top of their game early. You know, everyone will start, you know, by the time they hit that second quarter, they should be good to go. But 
that first quarter and those first series or two, if whoever's really on top of their game, that's where you can see a 14-point lead uh, pretty early. So, uh, But, man, this should be fun. Well, well I, and I think when you're looking at this game tomorrow or Thursday, whenever you're listening to this, you know, I, I, I wonder which version of the Rams will show up, which version of the Seahawks will show up. Seahawks coming over a really a, a rough win. I mean, offensively they looked horrible. They, they were able to pull it out against the, against the 49ers, but it was rough. And meanwhile, the Rams, they got a Hulk smash on their home field. And they got to do a quick turnaround and face a, you know, a true rival for them. And I don't know, in the case of both teams, who's going to show up, Jekyll or Hyde. I wish I could come up with a prediction for the game. I don't have one. I have no idea what to expect. When you look at the rosters, both of these teams have good talent. When you look at their weapons and when you look at what what they've done recently, you know, it's hard to measure this game. But part of me also thinks there's no way on earth the Rams are going to drop the ball like they did for two straight games. There's just too many leaders there. There are too many people who are accountable there for that to happen. I think they're going to come out and look a lot better. I'm not saying they're going to win, but I think they're going to come out there and we're going to have a heck of a game tomorrow night. Well, I think you make a great point. When you have all those things that are happening for both teams, that kind of levels the playing field out again. You know, they're coming off a tough win. You know, they had to play guys full game and it was it looked like a pretty physical game from the highlights obviously we had to play a full game chasing around you know little speedy guy getting out the pocket all game uh so now who's got the mental edge because that's what it's going to come down to both teams are going to be a little more sluggish coming in but mentally who wants it more And that's why I think it's going to really be a good game because you kind of have teams basically really starting out at the same. You can't say, oh, well, this team, they're coming they're coming in hot because of this. No, both teams struggle. We lost. They won. So obviously we're three and one. They're two and two. So they want to try to close that gap, as you said uh, last week that, you know, yeah, we beat Tom Brady, but really, you better make sure you're beating the Seattle and the Cardinals and the Niners and people in your division. So, uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I mean, I think there's going to be some motivation too. You know, the Seahawks can be two and two, go two and three, but they won't be zero and two in the division. Like the division matters first. The Rams dropped to zero and two in the division, and there's going to be some problems there, and they know that. So, you know. I don't want to discount that. You know, the 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 Cardinals already have a win in the division. They already have that feather in their cap. The Rams don't. And if the Rams start off 0-2 in what is probably the best division in football, that's a big yikes. That's a huge yikes. Oh, huge, huge. So, I mean, I got to ask you this. You know, looking at this defense... And knowing you don't have a whole lot of time to fix anything, what are some simple adjustments this team can make defensively with the personnel they have to perform better on Thursday night? 
Yeah, well, that's that's why I think this, <laughs> D.C., you know, Coach uh, Raheem is just kind of going in, like sending out a message to everyone. You know, guys, this is the NFL. And again, my coach used to always say the final cut is never made. Now you got some high power guys like Aaron Donald. They're not going anywhere. But everybody else is subject to be out of there. Man, we bring someone else in. So uh, they'll be looking at this game extremely close to see if guys are improving. You know you're going to win some and lose some, but they want to see that you're improving and not just kind of making the same mistakes over and over. So as far as fixing anything, that it would be very difficult to try to fix a whole bunch except maybe make an adjustment here. We've been talking about, man, we need to come out of the, the zone a little more and play man. But now hearing what he said about a player, it's like, yeah, man, I don't want to put this guy out there on an island playing man when it could really expose maybe a flaw in his game. I don't know what that is. I, you know, haven't watched him that much, but just kind of reading between the lines, that might be why they're playing a little more zone, you know, because typically you could take a Jalen Ramsey and say, hey, man, we're going to lock you up like tomorrow. Hey, we're locking you on DK Metcalf, period. And then you kind of build zone or man around what he's doing, but you kind of go, well, Jalen, he should take that guy off the board for most of the time. But at the same time, that's a big guy you trying to push and tussle with all game. You know, uh, fatigue should go uh, or fatigue, you know, Jalen would get a little more fatigue, I would think, wrestling. But I don't know. Jalen's kind of a little bit of a different cat when he seems to go against those guys. It really energizes them. So. Mm-hmm. Again, I, I look for it. But, yeah, I don't know, Derek, if, if you can make a lot of wholesale changes that you could maybe make in a normal week, you know, with basically two, three days to really get ready. What about offensively? Where are some adjustments, that, adjustments they can make quickly, easily in a game like this? Well, I think offensive is, is fine. I just think, you know, dropping passes, I think Stafford just wasn't as sharp. Uh, again, the is that is he not sharp because you know maybe throwing too much in practice you know i don't know or not having thrown enough in the preseason where you know maybe your arm gets a little tired you got to build up now you're throwing a lot more in games and so on and so forth so but offensively i think you got to try to establish the run game a little bit more and then just keep doing what you're doing and hopefully your receivers aren't aren't dropping balls as much as a you know, went down last week. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm, from my point of view, a couple of things have to happen. One thing offensively, you mentioned establishing the run a little earlier. You know, I think, you know, they, they touched on Robert Woods not being involved as much. I think all of these guys would be involved much. For Cooper Cut to be targeted, what, 13 times, only getting five catches. At that point, I get, you get the feeling, okay, we've seen this before with Goff. Stafford was keying on his guy, his his safety cup, and, and his his safety cup, haha, um, his safety valve. For him, that's a safety valve. <laughs> that's and, I mean, come on. When you, when you have a child, you ever you ever seen a kid? They have their favorite blankie, and they always go to that blankie when they're feeling uncomfortable. Right, or right. When they're feeling uncomfortable, they suck their thumb. Same concept. Stafford's obviously more more comfortable with cup, but you got talented receivers across the board. You have a very deep 
talented core, from Van Jefferson to Robert Woods to Deshaun Jackson. You get Deshaun Jackson deep in this game, and you spread out that Seattle defense, a lot of things open up. Yes, and then indeed. On the flips, I'm sorry, what? I said yes, indeed. Okay, and yeah, and then defensively, well, I miss tackles, you know, some blown assignments, sure. But, I mean, just making stops. Well, the time of possession is a problem. You're wearing this defense down. You're not letting your offense get cohesive. Just make some stops. Get – do what they always do. And they have to. They, they, they've always been good at getting Russell Wilson flustered, cutting them off from the angles, and forcing them to be more of a pocket quarterback. If they can do that, they win this game. I mean, I, I've been seeing a whole lot in terms of, you know, well, this game's going to be a shootout. Well, in my opinion, if it's a shootout, the Rams are going to win. Their offense is just better right now. Okay? If it's not a shootout, and the Seahawks are, are winning. It's because they, they're following the same prescription the Bears followed, the Colts followed, and, you know, of course, the Cardinals followed. Control the clock, wear them down, and you don't need a, you don't need a shootout then because the Rams' offense isn't on the field. Absolutely. I mean, the, the bottom line is you got your offense, do your thing, defense, let's not keep going – like 10 plus plays on on defense. Let's get out on 3 or maybe 6 or 7. Let's let's get get in here and get out of here. Make some plays. And then, you know, when you get a chance on certain special team, I'm already over the kickoff return. It's just guys kicking it out the end zone every time. No kickoff returns are going to happen. Uh very rarely unless they're squibbing or something like that. So, again, uh I, I like your point about the whole Cooper Cup. It's like anything. You're going to have certain tendencies. Well, anybody who watched the Rams in these last four games can go, oh, wow, Cooper Cup is like that guy's favorite receiver. Well, other teams are going to say, well, that guy's not going to beat us. So, you know, they play slice covers, which is like in and out, combo coverage, a form of in and out. They'll play man with somebody over the top. Things like that. And so they could take away Cooper Cuff. But now, again, you got Deshaun Jackson. He's a veteran. He got real speed. He has real speed. And again, you got Van Jefferson, who, from to me, that's just kind of my favorite guy. I just, it just seems like he's in, but then he's not in. So I don't know what that's about. But again, I think if anything, if staff just says, man, I'm going to go in here. Yeah, I'm going to go through my reads, but I'm just going to spread this ball around. Now you're opening up some things as well because they just can't lock in and go, oh, he's going to Higby today. Let's double him. Oh, he's going to Robert. We'll get him. So, yeah. Is it me? But I mean, and tell me if I'm wrong, Mike. Is it me or does Van Jefferson have star written all over him? Yeah, he does. And that's why I'm like, okay, man, something, you know, it's like. And again, I mean, I hate to be, you know, the guy that's a, uh, you know, what do you call it? The guy who just thinks bad, but it just almost. No, the negative like, Nancy, the Debbie Downer. Well, not so much that, <laughs> you know, but it just seems like he may have something in his contract that hits an escalator clauses for catches, playtime or something, because it just like, OK, man, this guy seems like he could be the guy. 
Like, but, what's going on? But you can't forget, these are all rookie contracts now. They, they're slotted. Well, the contracts are slotted. The bonuses aren't. So you can have bonuses on the back end, you know, whether it's playtime, yards, uh, make Pro Bowl, or whatever. You can have a lot of bonuses that don't have anything to do with somewhat of the rookie wage scale. You know what I mean? So I don't know. It It just seems... You know, like that seems at times it just it just seems weird. A guy that seems like he's probably one of the most talented there. Uh, but I don't know. Maybe, you know, they're there every day at practice. So maybe I don't know. They think he'll get the big head. I don't know. Uh, is he sometime inconsistent in practice? I don't know. But my eyes, I don't feel deceived me. That it's like that's a dude, as we call him. That's a dude. That dude he is. All right. Well, folks, there you go. I mean, this is I I usually get a prediction. I don't have one. I don't know. My gut tells me nothing. You usually have a gut feeling, right? Like this is how things are gonna go. I really don't know in this world of Rams, Jekyll, and Hyde who we're gonna see tomorrow. Thursday night football. I'm with everybody else here. I don't know. I think it was a shootout the Rams win. I think it was lower scoring than the Seahawks win. Yes, shootout, I definitely would agree with that. Because, again, Seattle is playing at home. The 12th man is real there. And so, that being the case, they're playing at night. You know, it's not super chilly now. But, again, it should be great football weather. And there shouldn't be any reason that the Rams don't come in. You got a short uh, trip up the the road, uh, short plane flight. And so it should should be, you know, relatively even as far as that goes. But, yeah, I think if it's low scoring, you got edge to Seattle. And I just kind of give them the edge just because they're at home. But yet I know the firepower we have, it could be just a blowout to one degree. So, we'll see. I mean, that's the one thing I'm sure. I, I don't believe they're going to blow us out. I I, th- I think there's no, too much pride involved. No, I'm thinking, you know, if we do what we do, because you know Russell sometimes, he can start to press a little bit. So, if they fall behind early, that's where I, th- I think we could, you know, you know, I, I don't know why I keep thinking 28-14 Rams, but... I see that being the case if we can jump up early, you know, like I said, in that first quarter where everybody's kind of trying to really get going, uh, then Russell's going to press a little bit, try to do too much early. And, you know, he's known to, you know, throw some some interceptions and, you know, you throw into a guy like Jalen Ramsey, he has a good chance of taking it, taking it back. So I'm going to call it right now, Rams 28, Seattle 14. Oh, you got more guts than I do today. You're kind of making me feel bad for making a pick, but I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. <laughs> I will not fall victim to the the peer pressure. Okay, you can follow me on Twitter at DC Pocket. Follow Mike on Twitter, one do 23 Follow our whole staff at Talk Rams. Don't forget to check out Bunny Heads for their episode earlier this week, as well as our post game. We'd love it if you would, uh, again, leave a review. But if not, we're cool. We appreciate you stepping in with us, listening to us today, and let's see how the Rams are tomorrow night. Have a great one.
We're out of here. We're out.